for, my joy and crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father, we pray that in these moments your spirit would work by and with your word to renew our trust that we might follow you, our Lord, all the days of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We were surrounded by lions. Well, okay, it was one lion that was circling the land cruiser. Uh, the other six were under a baobab tree, sound asleep about 50 feet away. Um, we had gone on safari with the kids during a school vacation and taken a young couple, visiting Fulbright scholars, along with us for the trip. I should have known that it wasn't going well, the power steering belt broke, uh, just an hour into the trip, I didn't have a spare. Uh, but we had gone into the park and we were looking for lion. Giraffes you can find without trouble. Elephants are always there. Hippos are reliably in the hippo pond. But lion can be tough to find. So that night we had gone to the hippo pool to look for them. No lion. Uh, the next morning we went to a place the rangers had suggested no lion, high noon, turn on a dirt track, round a corner, and there under a baobab tree, an entire pride. Well, because my diesel land cruiser would shake like crazy when I put it in neutral, um, when I stopped the land cruiser, I switched it off. 
That way we could get great pictures, get some film in the days before Steadicam. But one of the lions, a lioness, began to be extraordinarily interested in the Land Cruiser, and particularly the back of the Land Cruiser where the kids were. And I could see her just imagining how much force would it take to pop one of those windows out. So I decided it was time for us to move on. I heated the plug, switched on the ignition, stepped down on the diesel, and nothing happened. Dead as a doornail. And I thought to myself, now I've done it. Have you ever felt like that? Anxious about circumstances beyond your control? Powerless to do anything about them? Maybe it was an unexpected financial situation that came up. Clutch went out on your car. Uh, or worse yet, the entire transmission. Perhaps it was an unexpected illness or a visit from a family member that you have not gotten on well with in recent days. Maybe it was starting a new job or leaving an old one or anticipating the addition of a member of your family. Whatever it is, these things seem to happen with increasing regularity in our lives. There will be circumstances, I guarantee it this week, that will arise that will cause anxiety and the question is, what do we do when it raises its head? The Apostle Paul wants us to know, beloved, that because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, we must be anxious for nothing. And he gives us three concrete, specific situations to think about how we might deal with our anxiety. Uh, the first one is in conflict and controversy. Look at verses 2 and 3. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. This is extraordinary. Paul never calls anybody out by name except at the end when he gives his greetings. But here he is raising a situation that is occurring in the church at Philippi that is threatening the peace and purity of the gospel in that place. No, it's not a personal squabble. These two women uh, were probably part of that small prayer group that was meeting in Acts 16 when Paul planted this church. Uh, they were not at odds with each other over petty things. They were at odds over ministry decisions. The goal is the gospel expressed in our community, but how to get there, how to do that, sometimes we disagree. Maybe you've seen that in your own fellowship here. We have good ideas, and we think our ideas actually are the best, and it's the direction we should go. And when somebody opposes us, we sort of deal with our anxiety by trying to over-control. That seems to be what was happening here. And Paul says, you've got to agree in the Lord. You've got to come together. And he must have sensed that they couldn't do it by themselves because he entreated his loyal yoke fellow, his true companion, not sure who that was, could have been Epaphroditus, might have been Luke, some have even suggested Timothy, but whoever it was, he said, you get into the middle of this. Help these sisters work this out. Come to an agreement 
in the Lord for the sake of the gospel. And the rationale he gives is brilliant. He says, your names are in the book of life. Do you have brothers and sisters in the church that rub you the wrong way? Can I encourage you in the Lord to get over it? Look to the left, look to the right. You will be with these brothers and sisters, not only the rest of your lives, but for all eternity. And in the Lord, for the sake of the one who gave us life, that you and I might be raised to new life in Christ, we need to get past ourselves, past our issues, and find a way to work things out that will glorify the Lord. Francis Schaeffer talked about it as the final apologetic. If we can't love each other, then how can the gospel be true? If we can't see the Holy Spirit supernaturally heal broken relationships in the church, what hope is there for the gospel to heal the broken relationships in our community and to draw people to worship the Lord? We have to model it, Paul says. And so he begins by encouraging them to get it together for the sake of Jesus Christ. Listen, conflict isn't bad. Conflict is part of living in a broken world. The issue is when it arises, how are we going to deal with it? Some of us are turtles. We like to withdraw into our shells and avoid until it's over, until the storm blows past. Um, that also can be construed as going into denial that there's a problem. It's not always a healthy resolution. Uh, some of us are sharks. When we smell the opportunity, there's blood in the water, we go for the kill. Uh, we're going to come in so hard, so fast, they won't see it coming, and we will win the day. A win-lose scenario. Uh, some of us are foxes. Uh, we like to make a deal all the better if that deal benefits us just slightly more than the other. And some of us are owls. We're called to diplomacy, to try and arrive at a resolution that will honor all parties, that will demonstrate the peace of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think that that probably is more in line with what Paul is suggesting here. The gospel is the goal. How we get there, we can work out the details. We can get along for the sake of the Lord. It means that we stop fulfilling the prophecy of Machen's warrior children. Uh, John Frame wrote an article years and years ago where he talked about the fact that both the OPC and the PCA were born in battle. Uh, we were fighting with liberalism when we were born, and we've just kept fighting to be sure that if there are any dragons out there, we will vanquish them. And when we don't see any dragons, we fight with each other. Um, not a good situation, Frame says. How do you get past the little things that threaten to divide us? I think part of it's getting a biblical perspective on the mission of the church. It's not about me and my ideas and my agenda. And beloved, it's not about you either. It's about the Lord Jesus who calls us to serve in this community. And so we need to put aside those personal agendas, have a hierarchy, if you will, of issues and doctrines 
and agree to disagree on the minor things and hold tight together on the big things and learn to work as a team. You ever watch little kids play soccer? It's herd ball. They don't pass. When they kick, they usually don't connect with the ball. It's a disaster. What you want is a team that passes to one another, that backs up one another, that um, will sacrifice personal glory for the sake of the common good, means that we begin to practice teamwork in the power of the Holy Spirit. When Kathy and I were getting ready to go to Tanzania with um, our teammates, there were two other couples, uh, Mission to the World decided we needed some team building. So they sent us up to Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. The consulting psychologist for Mission to the World came to uh, teach us about team building, spent the morning doing that, and then he said, okay, go in that room. You have 30 minutes to put this Lego set together. It was the hospital, in case you're interested. Um, so here's what happened. Two of us started putting it together without even looking at the instructions. Right? Who needs instructions? Uh, we just looked at the picture and we started to just do it. That freaked out the wife of one of the men so much that she grabbed all the pieces for the ambulance and went over into the corner. Uh, the other two women on the team were arranging the bricks so that they would be in color-coded piles. And our team leader was arranging the lighting so that we could see the chaos more clearly. At the end of 30 minutes, we had an ambulance and a pile of bricks. And Tim Irwin looked at us and he said, you're going to need to work on this, right? The number one reason missionaries leave the field, they can't get along with each other. The number one reason believers leave the local church, they can't get along with one another. Paul says, don't let it be true of you. Agree in the Lord. Let go of your anxiety that things will go horribly wrong if you're not in charge. Kelly Capic wrote a lovely article called Beyond Personal Peace to Kingdom Peace. He said, anxiety arises when we live under the illusion that we're in control, that we fully understand what's wrong and how to fix everything. We grow anxious when we're certain that our way is the right way and all must follow it. And Paul says, no, you're not in control. The Lord Jesus is. Leave it in his hands. Work together. But not only in conflict and controversy, but also in cares and concerns. Paul gets very, very practical beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Wait a minute. I thought he was talking about anxiety. Why am I supposed to rejoice in the face of anxiety? Well, listen, beloved, think of it this way. Uh, Paul has reminded us that our past sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Our future is secure. We have an inheritance awaiting us that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has ever begun to conceive. Our past is forgiven, our future is glorious, and in the present, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have each other to encourage and to rejoice and to weep 
with one another. And Paul says, so whatever you do, begin by rejoicing. Let your reasonableness, actually like the old King James, your forbearance, be known to everyone. Your ability to let little things go by, to be patient with one another. Listen, we're all people in process. I used to have one of those buttons that said, please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. Uh, Maybe that's true of you as well. And Paul says, let's let our reasonableness be known. Why? Well, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. And maybe intertextually, he's thinking of Psalm 145, where the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He hears their cry and saves them. Or maybe he's thinking of Zephaniah 1, where the prophet says, the day of the Lord is near. That is catalogical reality at the end of chapter 3, that we are eagerly awaiting a Savior, even Jesus Christ, who will come again. Paul says, the Lord is near, so don't be anxious about anything. Jack Miller used to talk about orphans and sons, that most believers live as if we are orphans, that it all depends on us, that we are alone in the world, rather than the fact that you and I are daughters and sons of grace in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Here's what you do. Um, Chuck Swindoll actually said it this way. Uh, Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Just keep a running conversation with the Lord throughout the day. That's not denial, beloved, that's devotion. That's avoiding practical atheism, where we act and live as if God is not who he says he is and that Jesus has not done what the word proclaims. We live in trusting dependence, moment by moment, day by day, so in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God And the shalom of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, in context, Dr. Kapik will say, this is talking about this conflict in the church, right? Uh, The Lord wants to heal communities that are broken. He wants to bring churches that are struggling uh, to unity in the spirit, But it also obviously has personal application as well. That you and I would come to understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. That though our circumstances change, our Lord never changes. The author of Hebrews 13 says, Whom shall I fear, right? The Lord is my strength. What can man do to me? So whatever it is we face, Paul says, give it to the Lord. Trust in the one, the Lord Jesus, in whom all the promises of Scripture, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And wait to see what the Lord will do. John Piper, uh, at the age of 25, was headed to Munich to do his doctoral work. 
And he and his wife, Noel, were at JFK getting ready to board the plane. He called his father, and his dad gave him a scripture verse to remember as they left for Germany. Um, Dr. Piper at that time wasn't Dr. Piper. He didn't speak German, had no idea what this was going to require. But Isaiah 41.10 was the verse his father gave him. Fear not, I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, fear not. Why? Well, the Lord is near. Be not dismayed. Well, we don't normally speak like that. But it just means don't look anxiously around you as if there be dragons that are going to consume you. Rather, look to the Lord who is upholding you with his righteous right hand and Jesus who is right now praying for you by name at the right hand of the Father and he's written your name on his palm so he'll never forget. Live like that is true because beloved it is. I know some of you are going through deep water right now. Paul is not suggesting a kind of Pollyanna perspective on life. We have an enemy that wars against our soul. Uh, we face the brokenness of living in a fallen world, but we do not face it alone. Paul Koestra put it this way. He said, God does not promise you won't go through the fire, but he promises that you will never go through it alone. And all of our prayers are answered, sometimes yes, sometimes no, because we don't know what to ask for. Sometimes wait. And we're called to have childlike trust that our Heavenly Father is working everything out for his glory, but also ultimately for our good. Be anxious for nothing in conflict and controversy and cares and concerns and finally, in changing circumstances, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Let me just pause on that for a moment. Paul says you and I need to have a reorientation of our minds. In fact, at the end of verses um, 8 through 9, he says, you need to change what you're thinking about, to stop thinking about what the world tells you to think about, and instead to think about what's honorable and just and pure and lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Paul says, I've learned to be content. Why? Because he has been dwelling on the truth. The truth that God will always provide what we need when we need it. Maybe not everything we want or everything we think we need, but all that we require. Paul will say a little bit later on in chapter four, God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Scott Finch and I and the chaplain and Stephanie Formenti, who works in the chapel office as well, we're having a conversation Friday about the challenge of living in a world where we carry microcomputers that can connect with all of the world's information at a moment's notice 
and where our students are living literally a third to a half of their life online rather than in the real world. And here's, here's the problem. I don't know that adults are a whole lot better off. We are letting the editors and the blogmasters and the culture despisers who hate the faith of Jesus Christ shape the way we think about the world and about what we need to be happy and fulfilled. We're letting Instagram determine whether we're worthy of love rather than the Father's declaration in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, you and I need a change of mind. It's a Romans 12 situation, right? Don't be conformed to this world's way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind through the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, then you'll be able to understand what is his good and pleasing and perfect will. The Apostle Paul says, I can deal with any change of circumstances because I know that the Lord never changes. You got change in your life? One change that I'm still struggling with, um, the college decided for reasons that are still not terribly clear to me, uh, to leave Microsoft Word, Outlook, um, all the things, Microsoft Office, all the things I understood how to do and switch to Gmail, which still does things without asking, um, and to Google Docs, which I cannot fathom for the life of, I can't even open them anymore, um, to change to that as a different platform. And I have struggled mightily with that, and that's trivial, but it's there every day. My wife says, get over it. Maybe you'll learn something, right? Maybe this will make your life better. Look, change is going to come. We are forever, C.S. Lewis says, getting jobs and losing them. Falling in love, falling out of love. Having good times in our marriages, having tough times in our marriages. When babies are born, we rejoice. And then for the next six years, we're sleep deprived, right? It does get better after that, once they go off to school. Uh, so if you're a young parent, just hang on. Um, you'll make it. Um, there are times when we're excited about starting a new occupation or a new degree program. There are times when we are anxious because we are retiring, and we don't know what that means or what, our earth, what on earth we're going to do with ourselves in the years ahead. Listen, change is part of life. And Paul says, you know what? I've learned to roll with it. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. At the end of the day, it's very simple. We can face every situation through Christ who strengthens us. And I know that Dr. Tate has his Greek text, and yes, I'm going with the majority reading um, the old King James there, because I, I really think that's what Paul is saying. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you know that to be the most true thing about you? That you are deeply and dearly loved and that the, the Son has given you his spirit so that you have immediately present in your life all the resurrection power you could ever need access to. 
to enable you to face whatever may come with confidence that the Lord's promises are yes and amen in Jesus, and that his providence is working all things out for his glory, but also for our good. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. James Montgomery Boyce said the point of it, of course, is it, is it uh, God's good, pleasing, perfect will for him? Well, yeah, of course, but why Paul mentions it is that it's his good, pleasing, and perfect will for us. And we need to believe that and live as if that's true. So anyway, back to the Land Cruiser. The lion is circling. I am starting to lose it. And all of a sudden, I remember this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I said, Lord, send the Holy Spirit. I need a jump start. And in faith, little faith, very tiny faith, I heated the plug, switched the ignition on, and the engine roared to life. And we roared right out of there. I don't know where the power shortage is for you. I don't know where the point of anxiety is, but I know this, Jesus is faithful. Brother Carl's gonna take us to the Lord's table here in just a moment. In that we have that tangible sign and seal of his commitment to us. And our future, that is glorious in the extreme. Can we not trust him with the challenges that come as we walk with him? Pray with me. Father God, would you have mercy on us? For those whose faith is failing, would you strengthen them by your spirit? For those that are hanging on by their fingernails, would you grab them in the grip of your grace and pour out your love in such a way that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are yours and that you are working everything in their life out for your glory and for their good? Would you take away our anxiety and replace it with confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? We pray in his name. Amen.